Hey, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug. Did you know that I write kids' books? If you have children, nieces, nephews, I have books that are totally available for free or $10 on Amazon for physical copies. You can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash kidsbooks to get access and learn more about that. Thank you for all of your support. Now let's get back to the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I am your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Legacy Lou. I'm an old UAD plugin. <laughs> I'm out of date. Somebody update me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> we have a good episode for you today. This is an interesting topic um, that I'm hoping is going to help a lot of y'all, especially on your continued pursuit for knowledge and getting better, you know, trying to find ways to get better at your craft. And uh, this is a list of things that are wrong or misleading, red flags, yeah, disinformation, red flags. Or not entirely true. Yeah, things that are just things, wrong things that you hear on the internet. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I guess we'll just go right into it. We'll keep this a shorter episode here. All right. Um, but I think the first one that we're going to talk about is when you hear anybody say, you always have to, or this is a must. This is a must, yeah. This is a must. Always. You are stupid if you don't. Or I never. I never. These are not... Okay, that this is bad advice. Yeah, honestly, if you guys have watched Star Wars, y'all know the phrase, only a Sith deals in absolutes. In there other you words, go. don't be a Sith. There you go. And truly, I would say that that is a big part of the music production world. We see that a lot, especially on the YouTube channel. YouTube is amazing for like open source information here, but the problem with YouTube is that anybody can give the information. Um, so and it doesn't have to be true. 
Yeah, exactly. So it could be someone that doesn't know or they're lesser experienced. And honestly, sometimes that's us. I'm, I'm not going to claim that we know everything. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think one of the surefire ways to test to find out is, is um, find out if that person is already doing what you want to do, you know. Yep. And then also uh, if, that, if you like that person's work. To be honest, I think the biggest flag that I've ever seen is uh, when people talk about uh, I will never do this without ever having actually tried the opposite. Like I've met people who they'll give somebody advice that I know of their history and they'll say, oh, I never do that. I'm like, I've never heard of you even trying it once. How do you know that wouldn't work? You know? Yeah. Um the reality is some people will use the words like never or I always because of a uh, past experience. But do you know if they even have that experience? Half the people on YouTube never actually stepped into a major playing role in a major production. No, that's true. And and so that's like a, a big thing that I talk about is getting your information from the right source to begin with, which is a whole nother topic. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you do want to get your information from the right sources. So if you're on YouTube, first off, do you like the dude's mixes? Second off, is he where is he at where you want to be? I think or is this, that is he or she at where you want to be? I think the next one is also uh, tying directly into this, which is now that you're getting the information from people that you actually see doing what you want to do, um, do they themselves actually know what they're doing? Because uh, DK and I, uh, I especially have called this out on many people. Um, I, I know for a fact, not everybody in high positions knows everything that they're talking about. Everybody's flawed. Everybody's human, but, um, not always do the accolades mean they know what they're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just being wary and sometimes at the opposite sense, this is something that you can be really prideful and say, I have nothing to learn from someone. If you've ever said that, then shame on you as well. Exactly. There's always something to learn from everyone around you. Um, and yep. if you've ever thought I have nothing to learn from this someone because they're much lower than me, then a one hundred percent shame on you. Um, and uh, yeah, there's from an intern, from a homeless man, from from parents, from anybody. There's something that you can learn if you keep a humble heart. So that's the first thing. And and, and going back to the absolutes, right? Anybody that deals in absolutes is absolutely like it's it's. I know that they're passionate about something, but I would say a great indicator for you know, s step warily, like be careful uh, listening to this person's information is if they deal in absolutes. Like it's always okay. works. It never works. Those things are just careful. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it has ever worked for them, but if they say you must always do this every single time, or you should must never do this ever, no matter the situation. Um, those are scary words that you should not listen to. So that's, that's bad information. Uh, we, I think uh, another thing that we can move to is, uh, different mix techniques that we've heard that are either misleading or just not always true. My favorite one uh, to tell people about is uh, Seek and Destroy. It's a great song from Metallica, but it's also a very misleading way of mixing if you don't go into <laughs> it without pushing the gain 30 decibels like everybody does. Um, a lot of times Seek and Destroy is like if you hear something but you can't pinpoint where it's so at. Let's define Seek. Yeah, yeah. Please define Seek and Destroy. What does so that mean? a lot of times what people will do is they'll hear a sound and they'll say, oh, there's some ringing overtones or there's something I just don't like about it. The first thing they'll do is reach for a frequency. They'll put it to the tightest cue that they can and then they'll boost it like 10, 20, 30 decibels and exaggerate it until they hear something they don't like, which is actually wrong because – Realistically, anything boosted 30 decibels is annoying. Yeah, especially uh, with that, now, that 
tight of a cue. Exactly. Now, the proper way of going about this is just to start off with your ears. Just listen in. And if something really does stand out for you, focus on that range and do small movements if you really have to boost it. Um, but what I like to do is just start dipping the frequency, go the opposite route and see if it actually cleans up in that range. If not, chances are it's somewhere else. But most people will exaggerate the EQ. And yeah, and just to piggyback off on that idea and talk a little bit, explain a little bit more, it's the problem is when people seek and destroy trying to find a spot that they didn't think needed fixing before. So it's kind of the idea of you boost everything and sweep through the entire frequency spectrum to see if there's anything that you can kill. And and that's not the right way of thinking about it. Usually you want to, you hear something. That's the first thing. You got to hear something and think, oh, that needs cutting. And then you boost to figure out exactly where it is. Yep. Not, not, oh, I don't necessarily hear anything. I'm just going to kind of go through it to sweep and figure it out. I, I don't think that that's as useful. It's exactly. not as useful. So, yeah, if you hear something, because at the same time, if you cut out too many resonances. You start to kill the life of the vocal. Yeah. Or the anything, the source guitars especially. The character of the the recording does go missing if you cut too many peak resonances. I mean, think about it. We all resonate at a different frequency. Uh, the funny thing is that's actually kind of why we have such a unique voice. Yeah, of course. So I think that's another really great advice, something to be wary about, is not to just seek and destroy. And that's that's something that we use in the industry here as a name, right? Not to just go out and look for something to cut out in the EQ, but to actually listen first. Um, and I think that goes into everything. Whenever you're comparing plugins, whenever you're comparing compressors or a specific type of anything, even an EQ move that you made, like always to gain match and to uh, to bypass it. Use your ears and see if it actually helps. Um, there we go, saying always. There you go. And I think that that's one of those instances where always is acceptable, right? Yeah. Because um, like, sure you do always want to use your ears. Is right. Yeah, or do at it least right for what you're after. Yeah, uh, this is the reason why I'm not a fan of templates because templates are presets in general because mm -hmm. um, it forces you to not think about things. Yeah, have and, you checked out the one I've been giving away? Uh uh. So it's kind of funny. A lot of people keep emailing me about it, uh, saying, like, oh, I thought there was going to be like waves plugins on this, like, you know, trap settings for vocals or something, like with the music that you do. I'm like, every vocal I work on is different, you know? So all my plugins are just set to default and it's just. An EQ set to default, a compressor set with a really high threshold so it doesn't do anything, and a de-esser, same thing, really high so it doesn't do anything at start because I don't know the vocalist uh, sound on that recording yet. Yeah. That's I why templates have never been my favorite. Yeah, and presets and stuff. So if you, and I'm not going to say that that doesn't work because for some people, if you don't want to think about it, if you don't care about it, if it's working for you, that's one thing. But and I'm not going to say that never works. That's a template then. Yeah, and, and I was going to say that, not yeah. that it never works, but. Um, that kind of goes against the main point of mixing, which is to be intentional about it, to think about things, to use your ears to listen as both consumer and as an analyst. As a, as a template for recording, I get it if it's like something that's based around your voice. Like, uh, for instance, I have a template for Keisha. It always works for Keisha because she's always in the same booth, recording in the same mic, recording through the same setup. So because of that, I kind of know the resonance of the room and what I want to cut. I know how loud she tends to be and what overcompression sounds like for her. So I tend to start it a little high. And if it needs a little more dialing in, great. But it's a great starting point. But it's not the end-all, be-all sound for her. At the end of the day, she still sends it out to get mixed. She still sends it out to get mastered. And, you know, it's not the final product when you're starting with templates. Yeah, and, and I build my own presets all the time with different plugins. Oh, yeah. 
And I don't, I don't think it's that you shouldn't use it. It's more about just as you speed up your workflow, as you use pl- presets, and maybe it's your first time using a plugin, so you want to kind of learn about it. So you're using presets. Um, that's a good starting point, exactly. you know. And it's not; it's usually not a oh, pick and leave it be. There's only one preset in my entire arsenal of plugins where I like set it and leave it be. And um, I don't think that that's the case for almost every plugin. You just make got to make sure that you don't forget to use your ears. Do you know about my favorite mistake I ever did on FabFilter plugins? What's that? Um, either I installed it wrong or I did not know that you have to install the presets separately because apparently there's a preset file whenever I try to load them. And my, yours doesn't all, have it. I've all noticed of, it. All of my FabFilter plugins do not have a single preset, and I love it because it kind of just forced me to learn some of these plugins like Saturn. When I first got it, I was like, hmm, how exactly does That's this work? That's weird that yours doesn't. So it's not just your Q3. It's everything. It's everything. <laughs> so it's my favorite little thing because now any preset that's on it is something that I've uniquely made that kind of is a great starting point for something I'm after. Like uh, what I, uh, one of my settings is called 808 Distortion, but the mix knob is all the way at zero on all the settings. So yeah. I just blend to taste for something that I typically like, but I still have to maneuver through it. It's not like it works instantly. Yeah. Another thing is uh, that people usually get wrong that you should be careful with is soundproofing versus sound treatment. Oh, my God. Check out my story today. Yeah, that one is a big irk for me. So you guys know, like I do a lot of studio design for people in consultation on design. And uh, one of the biggest misunderstandings is actually two of the biggest misunderstandings is the difference between soundproofing and acoustic treatment. And then what actual acoustic treatment is doing versus what people think it's doing and what materials people are buying to try to get it done. For example, like those one or two inch thick Foams. perforated foam things that you buy on Amazon yeah. or whatever. I'm not going to say the name of the brand, but everybody knows a brand that has the pyramid foam and have the wavy foam and all that kind of stuff. But basically you're just, that's if you directly. get the brand name stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's if you pay a little bit more for the brand I went name to stuff. Downtown they they LA. sell it at Guitar Center, right? Yeah, I went I to downtown LA about. and I found the the cheaper alternative. But the funny thing you is, you know who's Amazon selling them? Cheap, cheap too. You know who's selling them? The couch manufacturer warehouses yeah. in downtown LA. They're couch cushions. Yeah, and yeah. more importantly, they're only they're only like an inch thick. And if it's one inch thick, but it's the, a zigzag formation, then the average is like half an inch thick. Exactly. So it does nothing because frequencies have yeah, to. Yeah, it might help with like dulling out some of the top end reflection in your room, maybe. But the one thing that I have a huge irk with is uh, I keep seeing ads saying, oh, buy this like cool looking shapened piece of panel that's like, at most an inch thick, but it's really hollow and everything. It's going to soundproof your room. And then they put like eight little squares on a wall and they're like, see, soundproofed your room. I'm like, no, soundproofing has to do more with mass and space with the air gaps and everything. But it has nothing to do with the foam on your wall. Yeah, That's so- more sound treatment. And that's that's the biggest thing. I know a lot of people say, um, fuck it, I'm just going to say the name. Arlex will soundproof your room. No, it will not. They do have uh, products uh, like uh, their mass-loaded vinyl products that you can use in construction, but soundproofing will run you tens of thousands of dollars. Um, for some people, it's cost them over a hundred thousand. Uh, for some, even more. But um, if you really want to get into those kind of things, like send me an email, send me a DM, I can help you figure that out. What's right for your needs? Because everybody's needs are different. But I keep hearing people uh, ask me about. 
you know, I bought this soundproofing material, but my neighbors can still hear me. Yeah. And then I find out they bought foam so and just glued let's it to define the wall. them. Let's define them real quick. So soundproofing sure. again, and we have a previous episode where we dive a little bit further into this. But soundproofing is the prevention of sound um, crossing over into a different room or leaving a certain area. So yep. if you soundproof a room, that means sound can neither go into the room or out of the room. Ideally speaking, it's almost airtight. And by almost, I mean like if you can get a flashlight, shine it to a corner and light got through, it's not soundproof. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Here's another thing, too. Sa- acoustic treatment or sound treatment mm-hmm. is dampening or changing the reflections within the room to make the inside echoes be nicer yeah. or to be more controlled. You'll drop the echo in the room, like the flutter echo that you'll hear when you clap and all that, or it'll also help with, like, taming the frequency. For instance, like trying to tame more low end by putting up bass traps. But or... that doesn't make the the sound enter or leave the room easier or worse. It's exactly. Harder. If anything, it's exactly the same most times. Yeah. Yeah. So if you treat your, for example, my my the, my little bedroom setup that I have, I have really awesome six inch thick like bass traps all around the room, and it's in there. It's really dead. It's really nice. All of the frequencies coming out of the speakers are very controlled, but I have not done any construction around the room to cause it to not bleed into the living room like the sound still just as much as before i put up any treatment still bleeds into my living room just the same and so um but the inside of the room sounds better like i'm hearing the speakers more and less of the room so that's the difference between acoustic treatment and soundproofing and yes those foam panels that are two inches thick or one inch thick um, aren't doing very much, and they're only really taking off a little bit of the top end. Um, and uh, we do recommend looking into building your own base traps or buying your own base traps, um, or at least thicker material. Yeah. Now, I do know a guy that has made baffles, so he went to a furniture store mm-hmm. that makes like couches and stuff, and he got this. It was like a solid six to eight inch thick cushion damn but it was like three feet by four feet and he would lay it on its side and he would stack three of those up to make a baffle to make like an acoustic absorptive wall in that, a studio that makes kind of sense so so it was it was like i would say mass. it's like eight to ten inches thick yeah. and of like just like foam yeah. of like this foam and and it was just a block there was no there's no indentation, no zigzag, just blocks of cushion foam. Like it's in your couch, yeah. right? And uh, he would literally just stack them up, one right next to the other. And then the third one that's kind of like, and he'd angle them a little bit. And the third mm-hmm. one that's going on top. And that's where the vocalist would record her vocals or their vocals. That is kind of awesome. Yeah. And, and like, actually worked really this. well. Yeah. And it was a cheap alternative because baffles are expensive. And they're really flexible. You can put them anywhere that you want. The funny thing is that a lot of people think that it has to be expensive in order for it to work. Uh, I know not just uh, Sylvia Massey, but many other engineers have used things like bookshelves or trinkets. Like um, one of my favorite things is people that just get like a bookshelf and then they'll also add like little statues, toys, action figures that they collect, whatever. And that's a form of diffusion already in itself. Um uh, the books actually act as a baffle in that sense. You know, I mean, they they have a very absorptive medium behind it. But uh, honestly, like I've met people who uh, they'll get like the the mattresses. I know somebody who literally took a bunch of mattresses. They just found them like used at a warehouse, this and that, like people trading in their beds and whatever. 
they would go to these mattress stores and buy all the used ones that people would trade in for like five bucks, ten bucks, whatever. I forget because they're not supposed to sell them. Uh, he put them in between his walls. There and you it, go. And it worked. That's funny. <laughs> that was the funniest thing ever. Uh, I'll never forget this guy. Um, he built it out by San Diego and uh-huh. uh, he wanted to make a drum room for cheap. And he did it. He did it. it. It actually absolutely worked. He, but he still kept like the air gaps in between yeah. wall within a wall thing. But his total construction for a live room was five thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. And that's the cheaper end of soundproofing. Oh no, that's not extremely cheap. Treatment. That's that's almost unheard of. Of soundproofing. Soundproofing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's a good story. Uh, I want to go on to the next thing. Another red flag. I don't recommend okay. it though. That's not fire safe. Like your house will burn down if anything goes wrong. Don't do that. Like he was just being cheap. Yeah, there you go. Don't do that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but another thing, and this is a um, this is a red flag in general. I see this a lot, and I I hate to say it because we are in LA, and LA is different. Everybody's really trying to get that bag, you know, really trying to work and hustle, and and um, good on everybody. And I really hope everybody does well out here. Uh, but that being said, a red flag when it comes to interacting with someone in the music oh, yeah. industry oh, is uh, is is, uh, is someone that name drops immediately a lot mm-hmm. and hard so oh i worked with this person this person this person this person like within the first 30 seconds of meeting them and uh that is a huge yeah. red flag extremely because if they were truly a big deal they wouldn't have to explain themselves oh yeah and uh um and i would have to say uh like granted it's it's one thing to like you know build authority like when i say when you've said we've worked on this to like build authority before we explain about something, but it, it's like that's definitely something that where you got to read the person if yep. they're really doing it for the clout or just chasing like you know what I'm saying there's there's moments where that can do not be stargazed by someone who has worked with someone when actually all they did was serve coffee to that person. Do you know how many people I've met that have tried to claim credits on something that they didn't even sit for? There you go. So it's it's one thing where you claim credits. Uh, yeah. So even if you don't claim credits and if it's just saying I worked with that person, like don't, don't stargaze, uh, be very wary. Don't name. And if for anybody that's listening, that does have nice credits, um, dude, that doesn't look cool. And no people like yeah. me that are the people like us where, uh, I'm not saying that we're big deals, but that have more experience in the upper tiers. We've, of we've the got plenty ec- of friends with diamond yeah, plaques and everything. And, and I guarantee none of them do that. <laughs> no, none of them do. Especially the cool ones that actually matter and are relevant yeah. today. And they're actually, fun fact, if you ever meet somebody with accolades that are you know, relatively impressive, because I live under a rock, I don't know what's impressive nowadays. But um, the funny thing is, those are also some of the most humble and polite people I've ever met. If you ever met a douchebag that's telling you you should do something they say because of their accolades and you won't get far if they don't, you know, whatever, um, that's a huge red flag. Some, Like I said, some of the most successful people in our industry are actually very kind, very open. Uh, they're just busy. But if you approach them openly and everything, you know, they're very kind people. And then the last thing that I want to bring up before we close out the episode, I think this is a, a useful one, I think, in general, is... Um, kind of going back to the relevancy of who you're learning from, um, is when people say that music is no longer relevant. So this comes from when I hung out with Leslie at Mixed with the Masters a couple years ago. So Leslie said during that week, he said, um, Leslie Brathway, he said, uh, if you, as soon as you start to think new music is not relevant, then your career is no longer relevant. 
And I think that that's a, a big point. We see a lot of YouTubers, um, granted, like rock is a big genre and, and it, it is relevant, right? But at the same time, if you see someone hating on trap music or hating on a current popular genre and they, they, don't, they say they don't understand, that's typically another red flag for they don't know what they're talking about. Or more importantly, yep. they're not open enough or, or I don't want to say intelligent enough because that may not be the case, but basically are not open enough to accept that there might be more information out there and that other people might prefer different things. So, and usually that person is set in their ways. So you can learn from them, but they're just not going to be as relevant. And I, and I think that that's important to say. They are huge YouTubers um, and very big channels with very highly rated, highly regarded uh, reviewers and of various natures. Um, and I'm going to, like, for example, one specific example, and I don't think it's, this is, this is a very light, you know, a light example. Uh, Rick Beato, who we all love and know on YouTube, millions of followers, uh, does all sorts of music content, um, is oftentimes when, when hearing trap music and he talks about music on the radio, he hates those hi-hat, those stinger hi-hats sounding like bees, you know, and, and it doesn't like that sound or like this song's not in a key, so it can't be musical. Um, those are examples of, all right, dude, <laughs> like, uh, it obviously worked. It, it works. You're 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 saying that about the number one song in the world right now. Um, yep. So I'm not saying I'm not like you know belittling his review. I think his review is relevant, but at the same time, that doesn't mean it's not good, and it doesn't mean you can't learn from it. There's definitely something to learn from, and so and especially as a professional, it's one thing that you make music for fun, which is totally okay. But as a professional, it is our job to stay up to date. And if we are no longer up to date, then we will lose relevance in the industry. So do not what? smack talk on genres that you're unfamiliar with or, or techniques that you're unsure of or that are more new. Um, at the same time, be careful who you listen to that does do that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily that if you're unaware, you're no longer relevant. But I understand the the idea behind it because the funny thing is I say I happily live under a rock because I just have my own taste, but I'm aware of what people want. And I think that's you know that's I mean? the big thing. I don't I may I don't have to agree with everything. Just like when you make an agreement uh, or talk to people in life, you don't have to argue with them. You you just don't necessarily have to agree. But um, if trap's not your taste, but you get a lot of trap clients, it'd be really dumb to not make yourself aware of what is relevant in trap music as far as your, you know, your job. Yeah. What kind of vocal styles do they have and like? What kind of effects do they like? How to process them? Because uh, it's kind of funny. You see, um, I know rock is not as relevant as it used to be, but you're seeing the rise of a lot of rock guys again because guess what people are starting to try to come out with more especially punk like the punk thing yeah yeah so guess who's getting a lot of contracts the rock guys that still are doing that why because they still stayed relevant though they may not have been relevant in the current genre they still kept pushing but the funny thing is if you ask them what their bread and butter was it wasn't rock for a long time they went into country they went into pop like for a minute country took over and sat uh, alongside trap music so a lot of the rock guys either went to Nashville or stayed wherever they were and did trap stuff. But once rock came back, they were ready and equipped for what they needed to do. But they knew how to move with the industry. And that's the biggest takeaway from this. Like, you have to be willing to move as a professional. You're not a professional adapt. if you stay still. 
Yeah, to you need to pivot and adapt. It's adapt or die for sure. And and I want to oh, yeah. kind of go back to what I said, and um, and say, it's one thing exactly what you said. It's one thing to not want to work with someone out of taste. Like for example, it's okay to not like trap music, yeah. but it's another thing to say no trap music is ever good, and it's yeah, not exactly. as good as That's rock just music, ignorant. right? And so avoid ignorance. Please, please recognize ignorance. Um, try to be open-minded as best as you can. And y'all and, know and I love always rock. discover. Yeah. And yeah, and I listen to rock songs too. And I'm not a huge fan of trap. If anything, I'm a fan of like soul and funk. Oh, uh, give me R&B and soul and metal. Mm, best combo ever. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> less aware of country, but I won't. I will if you show me a country song, I'll still listen to it intently. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll rely on my sister-in-law for that one. I'm not so hot in the country realm. I do like working on those records, but I'm not very familiar with the with the current scene. And at the same time, as a professional, if someone comes to me and is like, I'd like to work on a country record, one, I'm not very familiar with country stuff, and, and two, I don't really enjoy country as much as some other genres. So yeah. I, as a professional, will probably, in, in, in hopes for this artist to get the best that they can, I will recommend an engineer or a producer that does oh, yeah. work on country. Yeah, and, and that's honestly still a good move. Is a great move. Yeah. You know, um, knowing what you're good at and knowing what you enjoy is different from being closed minded about everything else. Oh, yeah. It's a very different thing. So, um, I hopefully that helps. Uh, please be safe on the YouTubes and in your learning adventures. The last thing that I want to say, actually, that didn't make the list, but I think it definitely should, is, is action. I think that there's a lot of learning that comes on YouTube and potentially mm -hmm. reading or podcasts, even from this show. Like, I, I'm really glad a lot of people DM us and talk about how they learn. Um, and, uh, we're really grateful that everybody has learned so much from the podcast. Um, but it's not just the act of learning the most, the best way to actually learn practical advice and tips for mixing is to do the work. Even if you make a mistake, that's fine. Trial and error is one of the best ways to learn. Honestly speaking, do you know anybody in our industry that didn't fuck up? Yeah, no, everybody has, absolutely. Yeah, and it's those that fuck up faster, that actually, mess up faster. I could be wrong on this. Tizio can correct me if you'd like, but I think I remember talking to him once before. I forget the name of the producer, but one of his bigger clients before CB would actually dock his pay for every mistake he made. Yeah. Yeah, and the funny thing is he still stuck it out because it ended up making him the engineer that he is now. Yeah, I'm not that, I don't know take if that's good employment now. ethics. But... Yeah, yeah, but consider this. Most people would have walked away... But he saw the opportunity in front of him. He saw the circle of people he was working with. And he said, you know what? I'm just not going to make these mistakes anymore. It was okay that he made them. He paid his price, financially speaking. But nonetheless, look where he's at now. He stuck it through even through the mistakes. Most of us don't have to deal with that. We don't get financially hit if we make a mistake. Yeah. That's the magic. You can make as many mistakes as you want. And you probably don't have to go through the same financial turmoil that he had to during that moment. Practice with your friends. Run mock sessions with other engineers. That's how I learned. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really great point to end on here is please go out and learn. Go out and uh, learn that practical information. Practice, practice, practice. Truly, like, even today I got in a few texts saying, like, yo, just listen to this mix. Can you give me some feedback, some advice? And and honestly, the, the only advice that I truly give, and I don't want to, like, you know, I don't want to, like, uh, dissuade you from listening to the rest of the podcast like all the other episodes that we have that are about mixing but at the end of the day it's about what you do when you're at home working with a client or working with yourself or just practicing yeah 
you can take all the advice you'd like and apply it, but you have to apply it. And, and to a certain degree, I think that, I, I don't know if this is a great comparison, but um, there's a difference between a child that has been told that the stove is hot and is able to be smart enough to never touch the smo- stove, right? Versus the child that was told the stove is hot, but then accidentally burned their hand and now knows for sure why not. You know, and, yeah. and I think that um, that child that burned this, their hand on the stove will never, ever do it ever again and will really understand what heat means, what it means to touch the stove and the consequences that can come from it. So to be honest, to a certain degree, when it comes to audio and, and learning these skills, please make the mistakes faster. I have a funny one that's the same analogy, but it's one that I learned from my cousins. What's that? Uh you ever met somebody who's never been in a fight but can talk a lot about how they'll fight you? And then they get into a fight and realize they don't know how to fight? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, if you ever wanted to grow up in my family, if you ever wanted to, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's a so weird one, way of yeah, putting Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, my cousins, I would watch them as they would, uh, you know, raise fists to each other, but in a playful way, which was more like, come on, let's get better at fighting. Because the reality is uh, they grew up in a neighborhood where, like, you know, fights were a regular thing. But you, the last thing you wanted to do was be unprepared. You, Anybody could tell you, oh, when you get into a fight, you know, the one-two punch, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is it's a difference between when you've actually practiced it before and you're ready for it. So when an opportunity comes in, you're not just relying on information you were told, but rather the practice that you've put in. There you go. There's only so much that you can learn at the gym. It's time to go in and practice. We got to go back to boxing classes. Yeah. Yeah. Kickboxing specifically. I want to kick more things. That's what we did. Yeah. We did do that. I forgot about that. I forgot that we did that together. We should do more. Yeah. So uh, on that note, uh, we are sponsored. Thank you to our sponsored Isotope. We love Isotope so much. I love you. Um, Isotope. Go to isotope.com backslash MM podcast to get 10% off your next order or... Uh, instead of a seven-day free trial, get a whole 30-day free trial to their monthly subscription bundle, their everything bundle. Um, it's really great. We use Isotope products every single day. So one more time, that's isotope.com backslash podcast. Go check that out. And on that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three. Hey you, yeah you, come join our Discord. The Mixing Music Discord server is filled with tons of awesome information and people. People that can help you out and information that can help you grow your business and to help you improve your mixes. So come join us and find the invitation link at mixingmusicpodcast.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 